Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Happy Valentine's Day, you guys. Because it's Valentine's Day, that means it's time for things to get steamy in the bedroom. Or should I say, because it's Cosmo, even steamier in the bedroom. Here at Cosmo, we love, completely are obsessed with, live and die for, Fifty Shades of Grey. And could not be more excited for the sequel, Fifty Shades Darker, which of course you guys all know is out this week since you've probably already seen it. But what do the guys in our life think about the Fifty Shades phenomenon? I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we are talking about what guys think about Fifty Shades of Grey. Joining me on the panel today is a friend and contributor to Cosmopolitan.com, Frank Kabbalah, who you guys know better as Cosmo Frank. Hi, Cosmo Frank. How's it going? Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, this is... uh Exciting. I feel like, Cosmo Frank, per usual, you are, we're asking you to just basically represent what all men everywhere in the world think about Fifty Shades. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> lot of pressure. Um, as always, I'm going to do my best. I, I will certainly fall short and fail miserably, but I'm going to give it a valiant effort here. You're going to give it a valiant effort. Yeah, although I think, I think in this specific instance, this is a pretty united front. It's a pretty united front. So one thing that you and I don't have in common about this is that you have actually already seen Fifty Shades Darker. I did. I haven't. Yeah, you somehow have. I got roped into it, and you and you did not yet. Yes. Uh, so I'm going tonight. I already have my tickets. Okay. 7:30 p.m. Yeah. showing. I, I do not envy you. Um, <laughs> I would say I didn't so much see it as I was subjected to it. But. You were subjected to it. Okay, so you went with your wife. Yeah, I did. She dragged you, kicking and screaming. Like, how did it come up? I I, I think she has when a. When love... did you guys go on opening night, like the no, midnight screening? No. Um, <laughs> we went yesterday at like 6 p.m. Because okay. we're old people. Um, right. So yeah, no, we we went pretty early. It was still relatively crowded. Um, she has a bit of a love hate relationship with it. Right. Um, I don't think she's read all of the books, but she saw the first movie. She's definitely read the first book. Did you see the first movie? I did. I saw okay. the first movie and I read the first book uh, again, all for Cosmopolitan, all for not Cosmo. on my own time. Sure, sure. Um, Wait, did you review the first movie when it came out? I did. Oh, I yeah. did. So long ago. It was, yeah. Yeah. Not long enough. But so you were actually the perfect person because not only did you see the first movie, review it for the site, read the first book, but you had something then to compare Fifty Shades Darker to. Yeah. And so on a scale of like one to one to I don't know, I'm trying to think of a Fifty Shades joke and I can't. How many? Um, like on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> Just gonna go there. In in a vacuum, 
on its own as a film, it's maybe a four, and that's being generous. Okay. Against the first movie, I'd give it a seven or an eight. Because the first movie, honestly, was terrible. It was, yeah. Yeah, it I'm was, with you there. It was really bad. Nothing happened in it. This is one where I could at least say, if my wife really wanted to go, if you're a guy out there and your wife or girlfriend really needs to drag you to it, it's an easy way to get brownie points. It's not as bad as the first one. It's not as bad. You'll be able to sit through it. And so did you find it, you're saying you'd be able to sit through it, not exactly a ringing endorsement. Was there any part of it you found like sexy, like a little like tingle in your pants? Honestly, just because of what happens throughout the rest of the movie, I was still processing some of the weirder choices that they made. Yeah. So that even like the the softcore Cinemax porn sequences. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't really processing probably the way I should have. Um, right. It did feel a little bit sexier. It feels like there's a little more chemistry yeah. between the two leads than there was in the last one. And that was my, I, you know, I know some of our readers and listeners out there probably did really like the first movie, but my feeling about it, and I feel like kind of the general feeling, at least in the Cosmo office, was that it felt very joyless. Like the sex in the first movie. The sex didn't really feel very, like, sexy. Yeah, it was, it was weirdly sterile. Yeah, sterile is a good word. And the movie was very serious. Yeah. Whereas I feel like part of, there's sort of like a, like, ha-ha factor to reading the books. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, there's a, it's like a little bit of an it, it, there's there's an inside joke almost there. Yeah. Um where it's it's definitely meant to be hokey, it's definitely meant to kind of have that feel to it. Yeah. Whereas the first movie played it so self-serious that it was just painful to sit through. Whereas this one again on its own, I can't say it's a great movie, but it's certainly way way better than the first movie and certainly exceeded my incredibly low expectations for it. <laughs> And did you, did it make you more or less interested in like going home and having sex? I would not call it an aphrodisiac. Right. Um, you told we, me there was a scene you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I won't cut you off when no, you're talking about the juicy we, stuff. We were laughing through a lot of it well, that's together. Good. So it was fun. It yeah. was a fun experience, but um, yeah, it's just still, you know, again, it's that like Skinamax light, like BDSM light, you know, yeah. it's, it's such a big deal that he handcuffs her. Yeah. And that's really the extent of it in the movies. Um, that's as far as he goes. And it's treated as such a huge deal that he's so kinky. Right. Um, Handcuffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, yeah, it, it definitely didn't make me want to have sex any more or less than I would have when I got right. home. I also ate a whole huge tub of popcorn so that probably countered any sexy feelings I would have had otherwise. So you're basically you, your sex, your the effect it had on your sex life was completely neutral. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the breakdown of people in the theater? Was it a lot of couples? Was it like girls with their friends? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a few couples. A um, couple people by themselves actually, which yeah. I was impressed with. I was like, good for you. Um, you know, a few people who, uh, there's an older woman right behind us who I think hated the fact that I was laughing through a lot of it. I was quiet. Yeah. I wasn't that annoying loud. Right. And I was stifling my laughter, but um, you were really she was obviously zoned her. in. She's yeah. like, yeah, I, I want complete silence throughout the film. Um, but yeah, I, I would say there's actually a, a surprising mix of people, um, young and old. And you said that there, this is like maybe going to be a little bit of a spoiler, but right before we started recording, you told me there was a scene that you haven't been able to stop thinking about. Yeah. Now I was... like want to know. So if you guys don't want to know, just like fast forward 30 seconds or like do I, you do that on a podcast. Yeah, I, okay. I suppose this is a major spoiler, except the whole thing is resolved in literally five minutes. And that's part of what I'm taking issue with. Right. So I guess it's a it's spoiler, like a stupid but it's not. It's like a five minute plot yeah. twist. Okay. So there's a scene where um, 
they're, they're they're talking on the phone. He's he's away in Portland, I believe, and they're talking on the phone. They're kind of flirting. They're they're on good terms at this point, and all of a sudden his helicopter's crashing, and it's that abrupt. It goes right. from them texting to him crashing in a helicopter. Right. And she's worried, and then he just shows up. Like, it's on the news. Everyone's freaking out. His whole family's freaking out. He just shows up. Right. And it's legitimate. It's a five-minute sequence, and I just it, it adds nothing to the movie. Right. It happens so late in the film, too. It's so right. bizarre. That's interesting, because, I mean, I remember reading the book way back in the day, and that is that happens in the book, but I feel like in the book they drag it out a lot more. I, You guys are going to remember, if I say this wrong, you guys will be able to call me out on it, but I almost think that she's like at a dinner in the book. There's like a dinner with his family, and they're she's, like all worried. She's out to drinks with she's his drinks. brother, if okay. I'm remembering this correctly. Yeah. I think it's his brother, right? But it's definitely more like sustained in the book, which is actually also kind of annoying in the book, just because you're like, well, you know, you're, you know this isn't the kind of story where they're going to kill off the main character, right. so it feels a little... And, but yeah, it's almost like why... That was the sense I got. It's yeah. exactly what you're saying, is it felt shoehorned in, right. almost as if they were filming as they went along and realized, oh, wait, this was a major moment in the book. Right. Let's get this in there quick before we wrap everything up. Right. And that's really how it felt. I think in the third book it comes out that like one of his former submissives is like crazy and after them. That's in this one. This, that's in this a one. A little bit, oh, yeah. God. She's... I remember nothing. I'm the worst it's... Fifty Shades fan. <laughs> so isn't it that she sabotaged the helicopter? You don't know that in this one. So uh... you've, you've now ruined the third film for me and I have no reason to go see it, which right. is incredibly unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's, she's in and out of it and it's certainly insinuated that um, Anastasia and his former boss may have had something to do with oh, it. There's yeah. a few insinuations that something sinister is going on right. behind the scenes. but And I felt like that was one of the reasons that the second book in some ways was more interesting is because there is a little, even though it's like, to be honest, not that well developed, a little more of that thriller element. Did that come through in the movie? Not really. No. 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 I, I feel like, like the seeds are planted for it and maybe the third one will <laughs> now be even better. Um, that rare instance where the trilogy gets better as it goes on. Um but yeah, here was there was a few very minor conflicts. Okay. That again all got resolved relatively quickly, all because Christian Grey has you know tons of money and resources. Right, right, right. Um, he's he's kind of this weird romantic Superman where nothing can really go wrong because he just has so much going on for him. Right, but, exactly. There, he's like a completely like an unreal superhero. Yeah. Which is almost a little boring. Right, exactly. But whatever. I, I still want to get with him. <laughs> um, I want to ask you in just a second. I'm going to give you a minute to think about this. But okay. I want to ask you what your favorite, even though you've basically said none of them, but your favorite sex scene in the movie was. So think about that. In the meantime, I'm excited to share with all of you guys one of my favorite new shopping apps called Spring. I love how easy it is to find all the latest designer clothing in one easy-to-use app, plus they have free shipping in return, so I'm saving even more money on my purchases. My favorite part is that I can follow brands or products that I love and track them on my personal shopping list so that I receive alerts whenever the products go on sale. Download the Spring app in the App Store or go to shopspring.com now to start saving on all the latest fashion and beauty trends. Get free shipping and free returns on your spring purchases with no spending minimums. I just want to say that again because I think that's one of the things that is so cool about Shop is they basically pull in a ton of clothes, accessories. It's a really great shopping experience from a ton of different retailers, but there's free shipping and free returns on everything. So even if you're buying something that is available elsewhere, you might want to just go ahead and buy it from shopspring.com because you get that free shipping and free return bonus. 
And as an added perk, use my code COSMO at checkout to take 20% off your first purchase. That's shopspring.com or shop through the Spring app, which of course you can download in the App Store, and use code COSMO for 20% off. All right, Frank, your time is up. Favorite sex scene? He gave me a lot of time to think about it. I didn't need that time. Uh, <laughs> you knew right away. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is, this is again, this is late in the game here, so potentially some minor spoilers. Um, but a big point of contention for Christian Grey throughout the film is that he has areas that she's not allowed to touch on his body. Oh, yeah. And he actually frames it out for her. And it's essentially his nipples uh, that she's <laughs> not allowed to go near. It's, it's his That's upper chest. Zone. Yeah, and, you know, she at one point literally frames it out with lipstick, and it's, it's his, his nipples. And... Uh, towards the end of the film to show that he trusts her he he lets her you know i guess tweak on him and uh then it leads to sex obviously oh my god very sexy so yeah that was definitely my favorite but um probably not for the reasons you think um <laughs> yeah why was it your favorite i think i need you to unpack that a little bit just because i i just found it incredibly funny that yeah. that that was his initiation was here you go you can finally get all up on my chest let's do this yeah as if it was such a huge deal yeah um but no, they're actually Pretty erotic. To, to be completely fair, there's there's no real way of framing them, but, but the sex scenes were definitely way better than they were than they were previously. There's a couple that do stand out a little bit to me. Yeah. Um, but I have no real way of, of you know, it's just kind of the one that happened at 40 minutes or the one that happened at right, know, right, an right, hour right. and 10. Right. Um, so there's a couple that did stand out. But. And what did you think about the elevator scene, which is one of the most famous scenes from the book? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> What? He he fingers her in an elevator. Oh, oh yes. Okay, yes. All right. You don't um, even remember that. Okay, that means it sucks. No, it, I've actually heard that that scene is not particularly remarkable in the movie. Yeah, you don't you don't see too much. Not too much is going on. It's yeah. relatively quick. Um, it's actually an interesting sequence because he puts these. Um, I don't. I don't. I'm probably not gonna call them correct thing, but I think they're like Benoit balls or whatever. Yeah, so you're right. They're up in her. Yeah, and then uh, he takes them out. You know, and they. They go to town. Um, the entire time, I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that one of those extras had to stand there <laughs> while uh, she pretended to get fingered in an elevator. And I just kept thinking about the stories that this woman probably had. Um, right, of them doing that take again and again. Yeah, over and, and over. Because when you start thinking of it in that respect, it, it gets less and less sexy that they just had to sit there. And <laughs> Although, to be fair, don't you think that would be an amazing, like, story to tell all your friends oh, if absolutely. you're like yeah. you know you're oh, a struggling I'm, I'm, actor out in hollywood exactly and people yeah. are like are you in anything i know and you're like well actually yeah the, the finger blasting scene <laughs> in 50 shades darker ever heard of it right. so good so good okay on that note i think it is time for us to go ahead and ring up our first guest to keep this combo on 50 shades moving right along our first guest is the president of the Hollywood chapter of the National Organization for Women. He has a zillion degrees, including an MA in Women's Studies and Religion, an MA in Applied Women's Studies, a BA in English and Women's Studies, and his areas of focus are Gender and Sexuality Studies, LGBT History, 20th and 19th Century American Women's History. Basically, he spent plenty of time studying women. Welcome, John <laughs> Erickson. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Fifty Shades, my favorite thing to talk about on Valentine's Day morning. <laughs> Maybe well, that, my, mine too. Yours too. Yours too. So right off the bat, John, tell me your feelings. This episode of the podcast is all about what men think about Fifty Shades of Grey. Tell me, what is your sort of one sentence opinion on Fifty Shades of Grey? 
Well, my one sentence opinion on Fifty Shades of Grey is, girl, we got problems. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, frankly, because Fifty Shades of Grey in the movie is so much more vanilla than the books, and I didn't think that was actually possible. <laughs> but the ways in which Fifty Shades of Grey uh, just tightens and emphasizes the trope that patriarchal culture has the full control over a woman's body and sexuality and it's up to them to decide what type of sexual pleasure they not only get but also the woman gets this is really problematic in a world where we need to see more you know empowerment of women and girls and we need to see a fully sexualized character on screen that can get an orgasm by herself and be the dominant one if she wants to as well and have you seen both of the movies that are out now john I unfortunately have not seen the second movie yet. I actually haven't either. So <laughs> I would, I'm, I'm I would not use the term, unfortunately, for the record. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I did see the first one on a plane to Mexico with one of my best friends who is extremely sex positive, as am I. Yeah. But basically, um, in the middle of the plane, we re- uh, screamed uh, vaginal clamps because it's a s- exclaimed by Anna in the movie, I believe, during the contractual scene out loud so the whole plane could hear us. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knew what we were watching. Everyone knew what you were watching. I actually am really curious about watching that on a plane because surely there was some of some of it must have been Jeez. edited, right? Uh, you no, know, we I bought it and we watched it just on, to uh, I, on my oh, iPad. Oh, got it. So we got, got to it. watch the full unrated or I if there were, even is an unrated version. Yeah, I thought you meant you were watching like the Delta Entertainment Television <laughs> or whatever, and I was like, I don't think that's the same thing, John. <laughs> I would love to be flying home to Wisconsin watching the Delta version of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey with a bunch of uh, uh, Midwesterners uh, discovering what that actually means for the first time. Um, I am kind of with you, though, on the first movie in particular. It's weirdly almost a little... And I want to like dive into the books a little bit, too, but the first movie, Frank and I were talking about this, it's almost a little boring. It feels really mm-hmm. joyless. Um, you never really see... Anna have an orgasm on screen or really her expressing any kind of pleasure, which I agree with you is problematic. I do think that's a little different in the book where we have a little bit more of her internal monologue sort of telling, you know, Mm -hmm. explaining that she is so into this and that she, you know, you know, blah, blah, inner goddess. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And a lot of that I think really was wiped out of the first movie. Cosmo Frank, who gave the second movie what a four out of ten, promises me yeah. it's a little better than it the was, second. It was a generous first. four out of ten. A generous four out of ten. But um, so, John, I hear what you're saying about the reasons that it's problematic and the reasons we're sort of, you know, that it emphasizes this idea of a man really being in control of a woman's sexual pleasure. But at the same time, for a lot of women, I think this was a sort of expression. This reading these books was a sexual experience that they felt like they weren't getting elsewhere in mainstream culture. Is there any value mm-hmm. to that? Yeah, so look, I'm extremely sex positive. So if you, if, if this is what gets your rocks off at the end of the day, like, <laughs> go for it. But my question is, is always the what's next. So, you know, I came home one summer, my mom was reading the book, right? And she was like into it when she was telling me what it was about. And so I was like, okay, this is my mom, a middle-aged, you know, a white woman from, you know, Wisconsin mm-hmm. saying these things. And she seems to be really excited about this book, which is, you know, gratifying her in some type of way when she reads it at night. I'm like, that's an amazing thing because you have women that are discovering parts or maybe never realizing that these communities 
are out there, right? And so I say, hey, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you should do. But what you should do is you should go to your local sex store or you should go take a, a class where you have somebody at that sex store, you know, teaching you about BDSM culture, teaching you about consensual sex, teaching you about different types of sex play. I mean, if you really want to explore your bodies and sex, like with your partner of your choosing, then this is, that's the type of thing that, you know, more people, if they're getting interested in, is a great thing. But there's other stuff outside of the book that people should be doing that when I think that they, if they're like awoken in the same way that they're awoken in the book, right. when they go and discover all these other communities out there, they might look back in the book and go, oh, wait, that's totally wrong. <laughs> right. But surely, I mean, I could see, and I'm actually curious, was your mom reading the book, was that the first time you had heard about it? Or just... I had heard about it. I had not read it. And so the moment I saw my mom reading it, right. I literally took her book from her. Right. <laughs> and then I read it that night. Right, right. Because I just, I feel like this was one of those phenomenons that was sort of really discovered by, like, the moms of the world. You know, they were, like, all reading it before I think it went a little, like, more mainstream. Um, yeah. But, but, so your mom is a perfect example. I'm sure that your mom reading this book, there's still a big leap between your mom, like, going into a, you know, exactly. babe land and, like, signing up for a class or whatever. I don't even know if they have that in Wisconsin, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they have lots of stuff in Wisconsin. They have lots of stuff. Okay, okay. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that this is, like, maybe just the tip of the, like, sexually awakened iceberg, but... I still think for a lot of people it might be as far as they get, and I don't know. I think that's kind of a good thing, as problematic yeah, I mean, as the series I, is. I think that I think that if a husband and wife go see this on Valentine's Day and they go home and they want to start exploring and researching and discovering new parts about their sex lives at the end of the day, that you know empower them to you know do something other than missionary, and that's being a very blanket statement, right? Um, you know, then that's great because. You know, there's a lot of stuff to explore out there sexually with your partner outside of the type of culture that Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, so-called the picks, you know. Right. And, and, you know, and the, one of my biggest problems with the movies and the books, and I think you, you mentioned this, is, is the way in which Anna consents. Because in the movies, you get this really extremely disturbing predatory nature that Christian really has because you don't get to read what's in Anna's mind. Um and understand kind of like her inner monologue, right? And Dakota Johnson, although she is, a, I'm sure, a lovely person, can't portray that type of inner monologue on her face as well. Right. So you kind of don't get that understanding of what's actually going on, on, on between the two of them. And so, you know, for me, the whole time watching the film, and I, you know, if I do go see the second film, um, you know, the issue of consent and kind of how she's there to, you know, make Christian feel better about his abused past and, you know, the Madonna whore, you know, mm -hmm. you know, motifs that people have, you know, in every movie, it seems like, you know, they just seem to fall into the same trap um, that most movies with their themes about women's sexuality um, always fall into. I think that was definitely one of the things that for me was the most disappointing about the first movie. And I think that was really even 
a, a sense we got from our audience who overwhelmingly just like loved it because they're such fans of the series. Um, you know, I think going in, this is the point I'm, I'm, I'm babbling, but the point I wanted okay. to make is that I think going, I yeah, I think going into the movie, there was a feeling that Jamie Dornan was so hot and was so well cast and like, people could really imagine him as Christian. And there was almost a sense that Dakota Johnson was a little like, who is she? She seems kind of like a wet blanket. Like, I feel like that was, those weren't my personal opinions, but that was kind of the feeling going into it. And I think for a lot of people that was reversed. She is actually much more interesting in the movies. And I think, you know, your point about him seeming almost like predatory. I think in the first movie, he comes across as so wooden and so sort of, disinterested and really unsexy that I think that it ends up being a major failing of the movie that you don't really see there being any appeal to this guy and you know in addition to the fact that we don't actually see Anna consent or orgasm or really seem any pleasure you don't even actually really understand why she'd be attracted to this guy who's like kind of a dick yeah, she's like this virginal, like uh, white depiction of like this, you know, pure you know Un, unrealized the sexual passion that she has in herself, and then along comes, you know, Jamie Dorian's Jamie Dorian's character, and you know, the the rhetoric that occurs after that is is problematic. I mean, if you want to see Jamie Dorian act <laughs> in a predatory way, I mean, you should be watching The Fall on Netflix. I mean, <laughs> the way I mean, that's when I was watching the movie. And then I, would, I discovered that TV show. I mean, he literally is a killer of women in that show. And the only way in which he stopped is that you have like one of the most fully realized, I think, and fully sexualized um, autonomous female characters on television today, Gillian Anderson's cop character, who just totally shuts him down. And the way in which he's trying to destroy and kill these women, he stalks his prey and gets some type of gratification out of killing them and she recognizes this and that and I was so disturbed by that kind of depiction by Jamie onto Anna that mirrored the relationship that's present on the fall that hmm. I was just so taken aback by the movie because of that lack of lack of acting that was there for him right. versus hers. Yeah. And like uh, Dakota Johnson's that I was like, whoa, whoa, this movie's, this movie's uh, raising some red flags here. Yeah. And certainly a lot has been, I mean, like Frank and I were even saying before we jumped on the phone with you, like, I mean, Christian in the books is like kind of a psycho. I mean, I love yeah. the guy but you know he's reading her email and basically being a stalker um Buys and, the company she works for because right. she can't file to stand you know whatever <laughs> right right so i can tell cosmo frank wants to jump in what were you gonna say? i was just gonna say that i can't believe i'm the vanguard of the second film here but <laughs> uh to let you guys know uh the second movie definitely course corrects some of that he's he's still the weirdo who doesn't like being told no but she definitely takes a lot of initiative throughout the movie and it's it's interesting and I think a little bit backwards in that like some of her being dominant is her being dominant by taking him grocery shopping or making him cook for her. And uh it was a it was a weird dynamic to watch in that respect because it felt I don't want to say necessarily antiquated, but a little a bit A little retro, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little bit stereotypical in that. Right, regard. like, oh, this yeah. is how um, you're exerting your dominance at the grocery store. He, yeah. he in general takes a backseat. It's much more about her, it's much more about what she's going through, and he just kinda of shows up to either say, Oh, I have a bunch of money, or to remind the audience that he wants to have sex with her all the time. Right. And that's kind <laughs> of his right. his entire arc in that movie. Yeah, but I'm sort of fine with him being a one dimensional character that just shows up for sex and yeah. 
Yeah, and not, not to say he was two-dimensional in the first movie, yeah. but he kind of fades into the background a little bit more, I feel like, in this one. Interesting. They've And maybe yeah. that is a testament to, I think, Dakota Johnson really was the star of the first movie and I think proved herself to be a better actress than, or a better actor than he is. But... You know, I, I have to say, sort of in closing here, I read all the books. I loved them. I appreciated for them for what they were. And even though I felt like the Christian Grey character was problematic the entire time I was reading it, I was fine just, like, brushing that aside. And I think part of the reason that I felt fine with that is I felt so clearly like this was a book written for women. You know, I think in some ways it felt like a safe space for me like I felt like there was this mm-hmm. community of women reading it it was a female author E.L. James like seems a little crazy but like wonderful in her own right and I love that she has like thousands and thousands of romance novels in her <laughs> apartment I've read that right her house. Yeah, yeah exactly um I, and I think she really wrote this as a romance story for women and so I was willing to sort of just brush aside the problems I thought with Christian as a character in a way that, you know, if this was something that men were reading that was a little bit meant to be for all audiences, I maybe would have felt like those problems were more serious to me. But I just feel like as a woman, I feel like we're able to sort of separate the idea of this being a fictional story from saying like, this is the way that a man should behave in a relationship. Mm hmm. I mean, when you look at the way in which his masculinity is depicted or even the way in which Jamie Dorian um, the character itself. I mean, do you remember all the problems that he was that we that were out there about him not wanting to be naked and all of this stuff on TV, on you know that would get out there into the pop culture mainstream about how he wanted his body you know depicted through the medium of the media and the movie screen. Where was that about Dakota Johnson? You know, she's the one that is literally naked and and you know being hit with horse hair and horse whip and all that stuff and he he doesn't want to take his shirt off right you know what a baby (laughs) what well it's just kind of like look i respect you i guess you're if you don't want to do that for yourself but you know what a what a position of privilege to be able to say something like that because you know then it just continues to be in part of this problematic relationship and I agree with you that if there's a community of women reading this and it's opening up their eyes to something that's big great and grand outside of what they're normally doing then that's something that I would never like you know say oh you should not do that because of this I hate those people that ruin the movie because of all of these problems but if you have these critical conversations like we're having right now or if you're kind of already hyper real uh hyper realizing that what the problems are with these characters and you push for a better depiction of female sexuality in film or in TV or in whatever media forms you watch, then that's half, that's half the battle. And so we need to make sure the media does stuff like this and that the media puts out fully realized sexual characters on screen. So (laughs) we can almost feel like our work is being done, you know, and that, that the, you, you, a woman doesn't have to rely on a man for to orgasm, you know? Right. And that, you know, she can do it on her own if she wants. I mean, I just produced a vagina monologue here in West Hollywood, right? Yeah. Where I live, and there's a, there's a monologue in there, which is my favorite one, called The Woman Who Likes to Make Vaginas Happy. Right. And it's all about a woman dominating another woman 
And she doesn't want to dominate men because men are scared of moaning. They're scared of a woman's fully realized orgasm and what that actually means because it, you know, threatens their, you know, male competency or their ability to concentrate on pleasing themselves first. But, you know, she talks about how she loves to hear women moan and make them moan because it's the, the pleasure of the woman and the full realization of the power of her, of her vagina, of her body. And that's what's important. I mean, we need more of that right. in the movies versus than a man being like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here to dominate you and have sex with you because, you know, we're going to both orgasm. Right. Well, he doesn't have to orgasm. Why can't she just be the one that orgasms, right. you know? Here, here. And so, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm gay, but, you know, <laughs> I, I and so, you know, I've never, you know, had the pleasure of being with a woman that way. But it's more than about just you know, an orgasm for you and an orgasm for me. It's about the pleasure and the reciprocal relationship that you would develop with your partner. And that's where I see the big difference with our culture today. A lot of people don't know the vagina monologue has a monologue like that, but everyone knows Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, the tagline is lose control. Like, oh, you're supposed to lose control because, you know, that's going to allow you this sexual freedom. You know, let's think about what's being more popular. Right. That's a really really good point. And in some ways I was going to say that you know, as we've been talking about this, I was almost wondering if the series, you know, the book series in some ways just feels dated. You know, if it was mm-hmm. written today, would it be a little different? Would it be a little bit more progressive? But then you look at something like the Vagina Monologues, which when was that written? A million years ago now? A while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you you think, you know, it's true. It's true. So, you know. Yeah. I guess the I bet I guess the best thing we can do is just keep talking about Fifty Shades on the podcast. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm these... welcome to come back anytime exactly, and talk about it. Exactly. But, uh, well, thank you, know, you so much, John. Talking. Oh no, thank you for having me. I, I really hope thank, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was so great to hear your point of view. Thanks so much, and yes, we'd love to have you back soon. Wonderful, wonderful. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Yep. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I know so many of you are busy like me and don't have the time to plan out your meals for the week. I don't even really like have time to go to the grocery store, which is why I've become so obsessed with Blue Apron. You guys know about Blue Apron, their meal delivery service, the biggest and the best. The box arrives at your doorstop. You have everything you need to get started cooking delicious dinners right away. I started doing Blue Apron because of the podcast and I've been completely obsessed with it. It's so fun. I don't know how to cook anything at all and it's easy enough that I can follow along. The meals are so delicious they're so incredibly flavorful my roommate and I just like love 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 doing it um there's brand new menu items so if you haven't if you haven't tried it yet maybe this will convince you brand new menu items like roasted pork with apple walnut and farro salad which I literally made yesterday for dinner it was delicious udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled egg and so many other things that you have to try out. You can enjoy it curled up on your couch while watching Fifty Shades of Grey with your Valentine, of course, before you go see the sequel. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com Cosmo. Again, that's blueapron.com Cosmo to get three f- meals free with totally free shipping. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Cosmo. Our next guest was in a relationship with a girl who loved Fifty Shades, but you guessed it, he felt differently. Welcome, Mateen. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys? Good. So we're talking all about Fifty Shades Grey and what guys really think of it today on the podcast. Tell us about the uh, first time you heard. Oh my God! Already, like a <laughs> you can't even like well, let me finish the question. So okay, <laughs> right off the bat, what was the first time you heard about Fifty Shades? Initial thoughts. I think when the when the book came out. Uh, I don't know. When did the book come out? Like a, a while ago now, 2000. About like six or seven years ago, like yeah. five or six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, and, and I was, I was dating a young lady at the time and, you know, she's trying to spice things up and she, she always suggested like, Oh, handcuffs, like let's do handcuffs. And for me, I was like, well, my people don't have that good of a history with, with being in handcuffs. So I don't think I should be doing it for excitement. That's fair. Uh, and then, and then the book came out and she's like, Oh yeah, this is that. And, but to me, I just think it's pretty much just—it's just smut. Yeah. With the, with, the, with literature makeup, that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it is smut, but I think that's what people like about it. It's like a little sexy. I don't know. It's kind of like you know, a lot of people look at porn. I think a lot of women feel like this is sort of equivalent to that. Well, it is, and and then, but a lot of a lot of a lot of people don't think that. They're like, oh no, this is not the same as porn, but it is. It's 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 mental porn, which is which is. Sometimes just as, as good as visual porn. Yeah, yeah. So are you anti-porn in general, I take it? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Not even. Okay. Not even. <laughs> okay. So your it sounded like your ex was sort of taking notes for what to do in the bedroom directly from the books and the movies. Well, yeah. I mean, she, she wanted to try some of that stuff, and I'm not, like... Like whips and chains are not that's not me. That's not my thing. Yeah. Like beating and pain and stuff. Like I don't I don't get how that could be pleasurable. Okay. But I'm not that's just not my thing. So so you're you're kinda of more like vanilla in bed, as they say in the books. Not vanilla, but I mean more like Neapolitan ice cream, like the whips <laughs> and chains, just like frozen yogurt with like with like 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 nuts and bolts on it. Like that is not <laughs> not edible <laughs> so did this end up being a problem that your girlfriend at the time was so into this and wanted to try all this stuff from the books and it sounds like you weren't uh, really into it i mean no i wasn't into it at all like not at all and i mean i guess I, she was saying that i was being like stubborn and not not like taking her her thoughts into consideration but mm-hmm. i mean if stuff is being done to me i think that's taking myself into consideration yeah because you gotta look out you gotta look out for self first and if it's not enjoyable like why would you want to do that yeah and and i do feel obligated to chime in at this point in the conversation and say like of course at cosmo we believe all sex should be consensual you should explore and try things but make sure both port- partners are on board and it sounds like you are just like not really on board no i just i just wasn't on board not, not with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, did you ever, did you ever read the books? No, I never, I never read the books because I, I mean, I had no interest. I mean, I yeah. saw the movie. Yeah. And it was, it was an okay movie. I mean, it's <laughs> just pretty much what the, what the, what the book is. I, I would, I would assume, but I never had a desire to sit down and. Well, I have no desire to read books anyway, but not something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and are you have you seen so there's two movies out now the second one just came out any chance yeah I haven't seen, seen that no I haven't seen the second one are you I, going I don't to think I will yeah, no 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 no, no not even, well, even? I, I'd rather watch paint dry <laughs> ouch ouch so why do you think this why do you think you obviously are not a fan of the series I think a lot of guys out there agree with you they just don't get it at all they're not interested they don't necessarily want to like try the things from the book why do you think this was why do you think this has been such a phenomenon for women 
I, I believe it because it, it it was like it like it was like an escape for people. Yeah, like that housewife that's you know that's stuck taking care of the kids and got to cook and clean. You know, she can read this book and escape and and feel dirty, but not feel feel dirty about feeling dirty. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing because once once you feel dirty, oh, I'm doing something dirty. But then if you like, oh, you get ashamed. But once it becomes like mainstream, I feel like people were okay with being dirty. Yeah. Like it made being dirty and something that was taboo, not taboo, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I actually feel like that was like what a lot of women liked about it. You know, it was kind of sexy. It was sort of, the way that I think a lot of mainstream, I don't know if mainstream porn is the right thing to say, but I think a lot uh, of mainstream porn. porn. Mainstream, yeah, mainstream porn. porn. Yeah, but a lot That's of a porn out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of porn out there, I think, has been typically geared toward a more male audience, and I think a lot of women felt like, oh, this is really for me, and that was kind of what made it interesting, and it was sexy. Yeah, porn, in a sense, is for men, I, I believe, anyway, because it's, it's a visual thing, yeah. and women are more stimulated through their mind and, and things, and I think that this is what gave people the opportunity to uh, to experience that, you know, because yeah. they could, you know, put themselves in this situation and and be this girl and fantasize about this powerful person. Yeah, you know, yeah. These things to them. And so, even if you weren't into the things that your, you know, partner at the time was sort of like ripping from the books, which, like, again, everybody has their own sexual preferences. Don't. Isn't it sort of true that, like, wouldn't you rather have a partner that was at least, like, a little experimental and, like, a little willing to try things versus somebody that just, like, wanted to do the same thing every time? Yes? No? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. For, for me, I feel like, I mean, you have to be. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the natural progression of, of sex. I mean, because if, if, you're, if you're doing it with the same person over and over again, you're going to have to. You know, you can't eat the same meal for for. For, for lunch every day you know it gets right. kind of boring so you might yeah. throw some hot sauce on it yeah. to make it taste better <laughs> or enhance the flavors I'm right there with you so I mean but sometimes you know you can't eat everybody's cooking <laughs> so, <laughs> so you just gotta find the, right, analogy. the midpoint where both parties are like okay <laughs> okay I can, I can deal with this you know I might not have the real handcuffs but the, the fake ones are okay <laughs> And so if I can ask too, so uh, your girlfriend at the time who got into Fifty Shades, was she pretty vanilla before that? Do you feel like, like, was is part of your problem that this was as far as she yeah, concerned think, the only way to be kinky? I think that's what it was. And it was a more of a thing like, hey, let's spice some things up. Let's, this is, this is, we're getting pretty stagnant. And, um, and it was like, oh, well, I read this book and now I'm like, oh, like got ideas and brainstorming. You know, let's try this. Let's try that. And I mean... I just, it's just certain things, like I said, I would just wasn't wasn't cool with. So right, I, right. I mean, call me stubborn, or I just want things my way. But yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. That's why she's your ex, huh? <laughs> uh, no, it was a lot of other things. <laughs> that's the least that's, of that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, we'll bring you How back much time on for you a break. Yeah, exactly. Write exactly. my own book about that. <laughs> Well, Latine, thank you so much for chiming in to share your thoughts. Um, I can tell that you have your mind made up about this. I don't think I'm going to be able to convince you of all the wondrous things about Fifty Shades. Oh, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> but um, thank stuck. you for I'm calling grounded. and sharing your opinion. I really appreciate it. Uh, oh, no worries. All right. Talk to you soon. Uh, yeah, you guys be safe. Stay away from criminals. <laughs> you too. Noted. Bye. All right. So, Frank... What did you learn today from discussing Fifty Shades of Grey in the Cosmo podcast? Um, 
I, I think kind of this theory that I'm starting to have formed my head, because I've, I've been trying for the longest time. I, I have plenty of guilty pleasures. I have plenty of things that I like that I know are kind of stupid. I know other people think are stupid, and I can typically... Like what? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, um, guilty pleasures. <laughs> you know, but no, you don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everyone has their own hobby. Everyone has their own thing that they do. For or, sure. And, and I've been trying to figure out why I can't see any value in, in, in these things to some extent. You and, don't, you, why you can't see any value in Fifty Shades. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Okay. I care about women reading, you know, erotic books. That's what I care about. But yeah. But, but this in particular this is This one in particular was kind of odd to me. And, yeah. and a, a little bit of what it is is almost like, because like you said, you know, moms kind of discover this. And it's it's almost like your mom came to you and was like, hey, have you heard of this band Radiohead? And your mom, like, up until that point, was always listening to, like, you know, top 40 music, always listening to country. Right. And it's like, yeah, you know, mom, of, of course, like, everyone's heard of Radiohead. They're kind of like the the first band you're going to hear if you're kind of going off the reservation right. a little bit, kind of going, you know, into more indie territory. And Fifty Shades is almost like the, the Radiohead of erotica right. in that respect, where it's like, you know, it's this big deal. It's this big, you know, cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And... It might not be the best band out there. There's other things you can, you know, if, if you want to pull from Fifty Shades and there's aspects that you like of it, I feel like there's other authors doing it better. There's other movies doing it better. Yeah. And and that's kind of what I, I it's struggle almost with, a, I suppose. Yeah, right? it's almost it's, a little eye-rolly. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I, I think I like Radiohead enough, but they're a little bit overrated. And I, and I feel yeah. the same way about Fifty Shades. Like, there's other books that, if that's what I wanted to, to do... Uh, I'd probably pull from first. Okay, I think that's a really good comparison, although totally lost on me since I basically exclusively listened to Top 40 radio. <laughs> like, who's Radiohead? Just kidding, sort of. But, um, but Frank, thank you so much for joining us. And it was so thank funny. Thank you for having me. Yeah, as much as we sort of started off, you know, with that four out of 10 rating, so savage. I stand by that. I think you actually ended up, of all the men we talked to today, being the one that sort of saw the most silver linings with Fifty Shades. You were um, at one point literally defending Fifty Shades Darker. I, I felt like I had to be devil's advocate. <laughs> I felt like I had to be. Um, but that was more for the sake of being devil's advocate. Right. Okay, fine, fine, <laughs> fine. Well, Cosmo Frank, thank you as always for um, being the voice of all men everywhere, every single one of them. It's <laughs> a high sure, job. I'm but... sure they really appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and thank you so much for coming by. We always love getting the chance to work with you at Cosmo. Um, do you want to shout out your Twitter handle for people who might want to follow you and tweet angry things about your opinions? Yeah, exactly. If you want to harass me on Twitter, it's uh, greatest weight. That's W-E-I-G-H-T, as in the weight you lift. Um, I was like had a moment of actually being totally dyslexic when you spelled that because you spelled the second part but not greatest oh. but I guess because everyone knows I, fi- I figure not a sp- if you don't know how to spell greatest then okay. don't worry then about don't it. follow me okay <laughs> and as always you guys can follow me everywhere at Elisa Benson on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and thank you so much for listening to the cosmopolitan.com happy hour podcast I hope you have a great Valentine's Day one of my favorite holidays actually wait Frank are you going to tell us what you're doing with your wife tonight we do it pretty low key, pretty um, low key. We, yeah we do like a dinner at home and, and exchange gifts and stuff. Low key is the way of being like, I plan nothing. We don't plan anything. Yeah, okay, but she okay. knows that and she doesn't plan anything either. Okay, okay. We're so you're not, on the same page. Yeah. That's fine. I'm romantic every day. I'm one <laughs> you of those don't need guys. a special yeah. holiday. Every day is Valentine's Day in my heart, so. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but thank you guys as always for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.